Well, this morning, if you don't mind getting your Bibles out or your app or whatever you have that you look at to help you see God's Word, we're obviously we put most of our scripture passages up on the screen, but just find it very important that you're looking at something you're going to take home with you and you're drawing your attention to God's Word. Um, if you're kind of joining us today and you're not usually with us on Sunday morning, we are in a series that we are teaching through that's, that's really just following a book of the Bible, right? And we're going to learn a lot this morning about how God speaks to us, but God has inspired books that are collected into what we call the Bible. And so to follow them from the beginning of what God said all the way to the end of what he said in that particular book is, is, is an exercise probably best described by the term we learned a few weeks ago, expository preaching. The attempt of what I do this morning and what we do from the pulpit uh, is to expose to us what is the Bible trying to say to us. So it's trying to just listen in on God rather than always trying to pull God into the conversation we'd like to have, right? And I think most of us, if we're honest, that's what we're trying to do, right? We, we got life going on. I want to hear God sing my song. I want him to play my tune. I want him to speak into my moment. And, and that's not unusual. That's just how life is sometimes. But here's a message this morning. It's titled, Learning to Hear the Language of God. So these are our first two verses, and, and please don't panic. I know we're going to get through Hebrews before, I think, before Jesus returns and before most of you go to heaven, but only doing two verses today is not going to convince you of that. So it's a, it's a large book. We will move faster, but we're just going to look at two verses this morning, and we'll try to have Peter's lost faith in any possibility that this will be finished before he goes to be with the Lord. Um, <laughs> Hebrews 1, verse 1. Long ago, at many times, and in many ways, God spoke to our fathers by the prophets. But in these last days, he has spoken to us by his son, whom he appointed the heir of all things. And through whom also he created the world. Let's pray just for a moment. Lord, your word speaks life. And, and it speaks from its own holy, perfect perspective. So Lord, this morning we are in need, no matter where we are, of all the diverse life going on in this room, of all the places that we'll travel back to when we get in our cars and go home, Lord, your word is pertinent to every single one of us. So Lord, help us to hear from you this morning, young and old, teenagers in the room, retired folks here, Lord, everyone in between. Help us have ears to hear in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, two things in that verse I just want to highlight to us today. There's communication in this verse. We'll spend most of our time talking about that. But there's culmination in this verse. Do you hear it? So you've got this, this presentation that sounds like long ago and in many ways, God has been speaking. And then this culmination, but in these last days, he has summoned some things up. 
He is speaking to us succinctly. He's culminating. All that communication gets culminated in Jesus Christ, the Son of God. Now, now listen. <clears throat> I know if you, if you come to the topic of religion, you're trying to figure out what do you believe? How do I get around God, etc.? cetera? Uh, maybe, you know, this book is just another book among many books. There's lots of things out there that you could read that tell you something about God, tell you something about life, human existence. But, but what this book is not, it, it's, it's not like Aesop's fables. I remember that old Greek uh, storybook. I don't think it was written probably 600 BC. It, it's just a collection of stories and poems that tell the human existence, that present characters who are doing life too. And, and they have their struggles but they have their noble cause and they have their moral boundaries and, and it presents all that in a variety of ways. That's not what this book is. When you open the Bible, it's not trying to just engage human activity and tell you some story that, that helps you find some personal motivation and way to look at life and way to look at people. It'll do that, but that's not what it's ultimately about. Ultimately, this book is about what it culminates in. It culminates, as you hear in this verse, but in these last days, and all the ways that God has revealed things, but in these last days, he has spoken to us by his son. It's as though every time you pick up a piece of the Bible, a story, a character, a poem, a song, and, and you walk on these places that those insights bring you, every one of them is bringing you to a place. And when you get to the end of that trail, it's going to culminate in Jesus Christ. So how important is it that we have an accurate understanding of Jesus Christ? Remember where we started? We started Hebrews chapter 1 by staring into Hebrews chapter 12, which kind of gave away the author's intent. The author is writing to an audience of people who are going through difficult times. They're suffering. They've got questions about life. They're not quite sure how to make sense of, wait, I thought God was good. Why is this bad stuff going on in my life? And the encouragement given to them, given to us as well. Let us run with endurance the race that's been set before us. Looking to Jesus. There's one thing Hebrews wants to do. It wants to get us to look at Jesus accurately to understand who he really is. But that's really what the whole Bible is trying to do. Hebrews is not unique in that category. Everywhere it's trying to get us to do that. But God has spoken to reveal this to us. Ken Hughes wrote a commentary on Hebrews. He says this, Through these magnificent words... The beleaguered church was brought face to face with God who speaks the eloquence of God. God spoke in the past and he speaks in the present in his son. And this eloquence, the ultimate eloquence of the final word in God's son would bring them comfort in the midst of life's troubles. Remember, this is an hour of need for them. What do they need to hear in this hour? What are you going to tell these people who are going through this kind of stuff? Right? It's the hour of need for you and I that make our ears perk up. 
We want to talk about things. We want to go get counsel. We, we want to read a book. We want to read the news. We want to find something that's going to speak into our moment, right? It's the hour of need that does that. There's something about the life you and I are living, right? And the illustration in Hebrews is the race that's set before you. You're running a race. You're living a life. There's something essential about the person of Jesus Christ to your race. Now, I I think most people have thought about that at some level, but most people are thinking about their race, but they may not be realizing you can't really understand your race unless you understand the person of Jesus Christ. That's what this book pulls together. So Jesus is relevant to us. But let let me step back into this whole communication piece. The Bible claims in many places, but in this particular verse, God is speaking. God's talking here. So if I would have caught you on the parking lot before you got in here and we didn't open the Bible up yet, and I just said, hey, does God speak to you? What would you have said? Yeah. Well, right, that's kind of a hard question. Does God speak to you? Do you hear God speak when he speaks to you? Well, the Bible actually acts like God is speaking. If you ask God that question, he would say, yeah, yeah, I do. And you and I might say, well, I'm not sure you really do. I'm not sure I'm hearing you. You you don't seem in my situation with me right now. If you're going through suffering sometimes, doesn't it feel like God has gone silent on you? It's one of the hardest things about suffering. It feels like I'm not hearing anything. But God says, ah, but that's not really accurate. I am speaking. I have spoken to you and I'm still speaking. So let me just grab some thought about language here just for a moment. I'm going to read a few thoughts to you that I don't think are in your outline, but they're in mine, right? There's a definition in your outline, I think, for language. Language is the principal method of human communication. It consists of words used in a structured and conventional way, and they convey by speech, writing, or gesture, right? There's, there's ways that language connects two things. It, it speaks sometimes words, sounds, writing, gestures, right? So there are over 7,000 languages in our world today, over 7,000 that are used to communicate, right? So language is verbal, it's words and sounds, it's physical gestures, it's body language, it's facial expressions, right? How many of you guys know you can stare at your children and say something to them with your eyebrows? <laughs> that they know whether to run for their lives or not? I mean, that's effective communication, isn't it? There's written symbols, there's alphabets. Uh, we've invented non-present means of communicating. Now, how do I want to highlight that? Because God sometimes feels like he's not present. But we've invented all kinds of accepted, non-present communication. Text, telephones, radio. We write letters to one another. And all those things actually say something to us, but you're not there. Right? How many of you guys would accept if, if you texted your kids on your way home today and say, hey, I'm bringing home some gas. Please clean the kitchen before we get there. And you got there and it was a mess. And you asked them, did you get my text? Well, yeah, but you weren't here. 
Would that be cool with you? I mean, you weren't actually here to tell me to do that. Yeah, I mean, I wrote, I read what you wrote down, but I, you weren't actually here. You get where I'm going with that? God sent a text. Right? One day, are we going to turn around seriously? Are we going to turn around and say, yeah, but you weren't here. I was pretty clear on what I wrote down, right? And that's what God is saying. He's, he's communicating. Look, there's all kinds of communication. We could spend all day talking about it. We have trained computers to do incredible, incredible communication by using two numbers. Zero and one. All you computer nerds right now are going, yeah, man, we know about that. Rest of us are going, what is he talking about? It's called binary code. Your computers operate using something called binary code, just using zeros and ones. The software in your computer computes and communicates and you and I get stuff from it. We accurately understand those things. There's signs on the highway on your way home today. You know exactly what they mean. Many of them don't have letters or words. There's not a person yelling at you, but it's a weird shape inside of a triangle. You know exactly what it means. And when you stop looking at that and you look down at your dashboard, there's all these weird lights, different colors and shapes, and they go off. And my children take pictures of them and text them to me. Dad, what does this mean? Apparently, I'm the only one who can interpret a dashboard. But most of us in the room know what it means when the dashboard light comes on, right? It's, it doesn't, does it say anything to you? Well, yes and no, right? It doesn't use your name and it doesn't speak sentences, but that little symbol comes on. And it says a lot, like pull over before you ruin the engine of your car, Right? Then there's this there's stuff that we sort of, it's a communication exchange that we, f- that we feel, like beauty. It's not words, is it? Is beauty words? But it's communicated, isn't it? There, there's 380,000 pieces of artwork in the Louvre Museum in Paris. Because those pieces say things to people. Right, nobody just, that's like going to stare at a pile of sand that just got poured in. There's millions of granules in a pile of sand, but they're not saying anything. But artwork was created by people. It's images and it's shapes and it's got context and background and a storyline about that, that picture that got painted. It's got a story to it, but you don't see the story anywhere in that. But when you go to engage it, it says something back to you, doesn't it? Right? Music. Music is communication, isn't it? Right? I saw on 60 Minutes last week, two weeks ago maybe, there was a story about Hans Zimmer. How many of you guys know who Hans Zimmer is? If you don't know who he is, you know his music. He makes just about every song in every popular movie that you've ever seen. And he writes the scores for what the moments in the movies are trying to accomplish. So even before any script writing, before any setting, you're on your way into that scene and his chord progressions are saying something to you and they're preparing you to be in that moment. And he does it so well 
that if, if it's supposed to feel weird, the song communicates weird. If it's supposed to feel romantic, it feels romantic. If it's supposed to feel creepy, it feels creepy. No one has to say, creepy scene. You just, you just start playing and it gets communicated to you. Everybody following me here? This is all communication. Our world is full of language that you and I get. We read it every day. So I wrote in your summary there, we've invented and practiced languages, sounds, and words that communicate. We understand their meaning. Human beings receive various forms of communication from outside themselves that influence and determine their daily choices in the course of their lives. Is that not true? All these aspects of communication, they reason with us, they do logic with us, they argue with us, they present something to us, they make us feel a certain way, and you and I make choices about what we're going to do. All right, that's real, and it is. God turns around and steps into that communication world, and he says, I have been speaking for a long time in a lot of ways. And crystal clear, I spoke through my son. And then when you read in Hebrews, one of the things that Hebrews does is it, is it informs us about God and then it warns us about how we respond to what he just told us. So God says, hey, I spoke. And then there's this weighty warning in chapter two we'll get to when we get there um, in years from now. Chapter two, verse one says, therefore, right, since God spoke, therefore we must pay much closer attention to what we have heard. God claims in chapter 1, verse 1, you can hear me. You're hearing me. And then he turns around another warning in chapter 3 and says, therefore, as the Holy Spirit says today, if you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts as in the rebellion. Today, if you hear his voice, how many of you guys think that verse is talking about an audible voice. Do you think that's what that verse is about? Today, if you're driving home today and like this cloud appears and a voice speaks to you and you pull over, is that what this is about? It's God saying, I have been speaking and speaking and speaking and speaking long ago. And in many ways, God's language is all throughout his creation. And we're going to hear today, there's not a one of us here who has the excuse that God does not speak to me. Oh, he does. And then he warns us. The issue might not be that God doesn't speak. The, the communication breakdown might be that I'm not listening. All these ways that God is speaking, I'm just not listening to him. So Hebrews 1, verse 1, long ago, at many times, and in many ways, God spoke. Right? Ken Hughes says, even before the prophets of old, the cosmos was filled with God's eloquence. The cosmic eloquence of God is deafening, but many will not hear it. 
Can, can I tell you sometimes why we don't want to hear God? A little bit, well, a couple of reasons, but one, one's going to stick out to us. Sometimes we think we've gotten a bad deal from God. Life has turned out to be something we didn't think it was going to be. It's harder. We got dealt a bad hand. We're angry at God. We're mad at him. Do you remember a character named Job? Nobody, nobody can touch Job's story. Anybody want to come argue with Job that my life is worse than yours? I don't think so. And there's a moment in Job chapter 26 where Job describes God. You know, if, if the Hebrews in this book of Hebrews, if that audience was suffering, Job could trump them in a second. Is God speaking to you, Job? I don't know. Let's listen to Job for a second. Job said in Job 26, verse 7, he stretches out the north over the void and he hangs the earth on nothing. He binds up the waters in thick clouds and the clouds not split open under them. I mean, this is something like, how on earth does God do this stuff? He covers the face of the full moon and spreads over its cloud. He has inscribed a circle on the face of the waters at the boundary between light and darkness. The pillars of heaven tremble and are astounded at his rebuke. By his power, he stilled the sea. Right? Job's given a report of what he's been hearing of the communication of just staring into the stuff that God created and how God ordered it. Job heard something just by staring at what you and I can see on a daily basis. He heard majesty, wonder, amazement, curiosity. How did he hear this? Did he actually hear voices? No. Just stared at something that God created and it said something to him that in his own heart, it was like an intuition. He just kind of knew there's a God behind this. Right? And he goes on and he says this right after that in chapter 26. He says, behold, these are but the outskirts of his ways. And how small a whisper do we hear of him? But the thunder of his power, who can understand? Hey, Job, does God speak to you? Oh my gosh, yes. Even when he whispers, it freaks me out. Something gets communicated. Right? This is Psalm 19 describes the created world around us when it says this. The heavens declare the glory of God. These are communication words, aren't they? The heavens declare the glory of God. The sky above proclaims his handiwork. Day to day pours out speech and night to night reveals knowledge. I mean, it's almost like this image is, hey, Creation wakes in the morning and our eyes open to it. And he says, hey, can I get everybody's attention for a moment? And it just starts pouring out speech. It just starts saying one thing after another. That's what the psalmist saw in this psalm. Verse three. Well, listen carefully. There, there's no speech, nor are there words. 
whose voice is not heard. But then he says the opposite. But their voice goes out through all the earth and their words to the end of the world. It's like, but there's really not really words. And it's, well, there's really not a voice, but, but it's like there is a voice. This is what he's saying. Because the cosmos God created, it's saying something to us. Right? If, you, if you will, um, the cosmos, the created world is sort of like the Hans Zimmer, the soundtrack of God's creation. It's speaking, but it's creating something in us, even without using words. Right. I mean, listen, if, if I, if I, if I could do this real quickly and I wish I, I had the ability to do this, I told the sound guys, Hey, can you guys, uh, bust out some Rocky real quick? Just the theme song for Rocky. Can you throw that down for me? You know, what would you do with that? Something inside of you would say, I don't know what's going on right now, but I need to pull myself up my bootstraps and make it happen, baby. Right. That's just inspirational. Right. If, if instead I said, can you play the theme song to Jaws? <laughs> I've been on a lot. I don't know if you've seen it on summer watching, you know. It's like, it's like you, you just know what's about to happen, right? I didn't say anything to you, but you know something is about to happen. If I bust out the theme song for uh, Darth Vader appearing in any Star Wars movie... You know, dun, 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 all you need is minor chords, by the way, for some of this stuff. All of a sudden, you know, I don't know what exactly is going on, but I know evil is present. You know it in the movie. How did you know that? I, don't, I can't explain how I know it, but I just know it. Can, can I say when you stare out at night at the stars, when you look at God's creation, the details, oh my, just study the human immune system. Study the details of what God created. It says something to us, but it doesn't use words, but it's communicating. And God says long ago, and in many ways, I spoke to you. Listen, you can't stare out at the Grand Canyon, take in a beach sunset, Look at the beauty of a waterfall. See a rainbow. Watch a rainstorm. You, you can't stare at that stuff and hear nothing. You can't do it. It's like a soundtrack. Something's going off inside of you. Now, you can repress it if you'd like and choose to silence it and ignore it in your own soul. But I, I just want to say this to you. If you never come back to this church again, can I remind you of something? God says, I spoke to you. And he says that counts. None of us will ever get to tell God, I didn't hear anything. Oh, no, you, you heard you didn't want to listen. So you didn't listen any further. Remember that, that story? There's a story about, and this is a creation story that kind of is mind-blowing, but it, but it kind of lets you in on a little bit of this secret that if, if you'll open your heart to God, he'll show you even more. Remember the story of the Magi who show up when Jesus is born in a manger? Have you ever thought through? Right, here's this one line. This is their explanation. 
I'm sorry, it's kind of weird. Does God talk to you? This is kind of weird. They show up and they say this. Where is he who was born king of the Jews? For we saw his star when it rose and have come to worship him. What? You got all that from a star? It kind of makes you think. If you listen to what God says, you'll hear more. And you'll hear more. And the reason why you don't show up to check out the God-man who has been born and to worship him. We just come to check him out. We just come because, hey, this is a historic moment. We don't even know what it means exactly. We have come to worship him. They got that from a star? I kind of think not. I, I don't think the stars are designed to say that much to us. But they start the conversation. So when you hear the soundtrack... And, you know, it's, it's got its own unique song it's playing. Listen carefully. You know, whether it's the Rocky theme, whatever it is, God is awakening us, preparing us to hear from him. And let me give you a, a long thought here. Lewis Evans wrote a commentary in Hebrews. I can't improve on his words, so I'm going to read his thoughts kind of long, but listen carefully. He says the first three words of the epistle in, in Greek are polymeros kai polytropos. At various times and in various ways. God did not reveal all of himself in any one time. That's very important. The process of revelation was a continuous one in which the recipients received ever-increasing revelation of God. At no time in that Older process, did they have a complete idea of God? God, long ago, spoke a little bit here, a little bit there, a little bit here, a little bit there. And he expects us to respond to the little bits that are going to be added to and added to and added to until they culminate in his son. So when you and I are looking for God to say something to me, are you, are you looking for God to say everything to you? In your moment, everything that could be heard. Well, you know, if God wants to speak to me and and then we prescribe for him how he must speak to us. Can, Can I just tell you, God doesn't do prescriptions. He's perfect. He's not looking for bad ideas and I got lots of them. He's going to do what's glorious and perfect. And if that means long ago and in many ways, I spoke to you in little bits and pieces, follow the breadcrumb trail. He says at first... They began to understand his creative power. Then they perceived something of his moral demands and his character as judge. As he sent the flood to destroy the evil in the world. I'm going to read through some of this quickly, but I I can't go past that point. You and I are living in a day where humanity wants, much of humanity, America especially, wants a version of God in their lives, even a version of Jesus. There's lots of, quote, mainline denominational Christian churches who are reinventing Jesus these days. But God has already spoken. You're having to ignore what he said. So I think Jesus is apparently the most tolerant, no-opinion 
person in the universe. That if, if you want to redefine your life, if you want different moral boundaries, if you want to practice something, that's up to you. Wait, wait, wait. Long ago, God spoke. That giant event called the flood, it was God speaking. Did you, did you hear what he said? I wiped out the world because of sin. Did you, did you hear that? And now I'm trying to act like God's okay with whatever? Wait, wait, wait. God already spoke. Could it be more clear? There's not a bigger billboard in human history. Nothing has ever wiped out humanity the way that flood did. And God did it. And listen, you might not like what God has to say, but he said something in that moment, didn't he? I either got to let God be God or I'm going to ignore the real God and invent my own. But to stand with the idea that I can reinvent moral boundaries, I can reinvent right and wrong, is to ignore that God has already spoken. Lewis goes on and says, soon they were to see him as a covenant-making God, taking the initiative, right? God's an initiator in establishing a covenant with Noah by means of a rainbow, then establishing a threefold covenant. I'm sorry, I can't read past that. The loudest moral uprising in our world today uses the rainbow as a symbol. Do you understand what that rainbow says? It's a communication device. It's God saying, I will never again destroy the earth this way. But you did it before? Yes. When you see the rainbow in the sky, that's what you're reminded of. God has spoken. How you pick the rainbow up and make God not bothered by anything only by ignoring that God has spoken. He said something here. Then establishing a threefold covenant, God initiating again with an old shepherd and his wife, Abram and Sarah, promising them offspring in great number, a land in which their children would dwell. And finally, that all the nations of the earth would be blessed through their descendants. They perceived him as a God interested in individuals and families. God spoke something. When you watch God relate to human beings, he is saying something. He's communicating something. Does God care about, does God know your name? He called Abram by name. He had plans for the rest of his life before Abram knew anything about God. God initiated to bless this man. How do I know that? Well, because God spoke. Wait, wait, Keith, he spoke that to you? Yeah. By doing it and writing it down and preserving it for us. Later, God revealed that in spite of his judgments, he would always save a remnant. And from that remnant, bring about a new people. The whole world would discover him to be a God who would pay a tremendous price out of redeeming love. Why can I have a conversation with you? If you come and visit me in my office and you've done something horrible, horrible in your life that you've told no one about, why can I talk to you about forgiveness? 
and mercy. Because God spoke long ago and in many ways about his forgiveness and his mercy. He said that about himself. That's why I can tell you about that. He says, no, God did not say all about himself at one time or in one period of revelation. Rather, he spoke in bits and pieces at various times and through different methods, events, prophets, individuals, history. At any point during that process, the revelation was not complete. And in fact, later periods of revelation would clarify and enlarge previously partial and by themselves, misleading understandings of God. For instance, the judging character of God is a partial understanding that needs the later clarification and enlargement of God's forgiving grace. This is what we mean by progressive revelation. I think God has progressed through time in his revelation, but God does that with us individually as well. God can say something to you through the theme music of creation or through something that God presented. Even this morning, God could say something to you. And the question is, will you listen in such a way that you'll hear something more? And your heart will awaken even more and more light will come and you'll hear something more. Because God really is speaking. So let me just make this appeal to, to any of us who are Maybe here you're curious, you're curious about God at some level, right? Let me, let me just say two things. First, God has eloquently spoken in many ways. God has already eloquently spoken in many ways. Humbly, can I just tell you, it will do you no good to fold your arms in anger and demand that God speak to you right now in a particular way. That idea that, and this is what happens, this is what happens, and, and, and listen, you live in a world that has taught us to look out and find the victims. And now it's so hyper-victimized. Everybody's a victim. You're a victim in some way. And, and that's going to become a justifiable reason for you to get, around, get rid of the toxic people, the difficult people, the harmful people, the abusive people, whatever label you want to put them. The people who have complicated your life have made you a victim. And you don't get to be all that you could be because somebody else has duped you, done you wrong, fell short, etc., etc., etc. Everybody's a victim. And once that gets in you, can I, can I just tell you at some point you're going to turn that on God? And he will become the victimizer. And you will fold your arms in anger and demand that he speak to you a certain way. He needs to come into your moment right now, the way in which you understand it. And he needs to say something that you understand. And it needs to feel inside of you a particular way. Then, then I will validate whether God is real or not. When you meet the God in the Bible, he is so big, so powerful, so flat intimidating. Can I, can I just tell you, I don't think you want to fold your arms in front of him. 
I know you live in a world that's making it sound like everybody owes you an apology. Can I, can I just tell you, God does not owe you an apology. When you read the Bible, it sounds like the opposite is true. It sounds like we owe him an apology. How do I know that? Well, because God has spoken many times in many ways on that subject. He's made it abundantly clear. And whether you and I choose to heed what he has spoken is on us. It's not on him. Remember those guys in Hebrews, they're tempted to give up on God. That's what they're tempted with. They are tempted to fold their arms and say, God, if this is the way it is to follow you, I just assume go back to my old religion, go back to my old ways, believe something else. And this is where the writer of Hebrews starts with them. Whoa, 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 whoa. You, you guys with your folded arms. Long ago, and in many ways, God spoke. This is how God brings help to those of us who are a little PO'd with how life is going. But here's a humbling piece. Here's the piece I want to spare you of hearing this on that day when you or I stand before him. Romans chapter 1 sounds a little different than the victim piece. It says, for the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men who by their unrighteousness, they suppress the truth. For what, listen, what can be known about God is plain to them because God has shown it to them and God doesn't do a bad job with anything. If God wanted to talk to me, he could text me. He could. I can almost promise you he won't. But when that verse says, today you hear God's voice, do not harden your heart, it's not thinking about a verbal exchange. It's not thinking about a text using the writing language that you understand. It's God communicating in the most perfect way to us. He did a good job for his invisible attributes. Namely, his eternal power and divine nature have been clearly perceived ever since the creation of the world in the things that have been made. So they are without excuse. Every one of us has heard the soundtrack of creation and it made something go off in us. Kind of like when you know Darth Vader's about to come on the scene. You just know the soundtrack of God's creation. I just know there's a God. I just know there is. And that might be all that that reveals to me. It doesn't reveal everything to me. That's why I don't think those stars do a good job of explaining atonement. Right? I can't I can stare at the stars all night long. I don't, I don't think atonement's going to come to me. But the Holy Spirit could lead me to see atonement way beyond those stars. And God could use something written. He could use prophets. He could use whatever means. So that'd be my first, if you're curious, if you, hey, I think I would like to hear from God a little bit more, unfold your arms, stop playing the victim card, maybe approach God with your own apology rather than demanding that he answer to you for many, many, many ways and times he has been speaking. It's not his fault that I have not been listening. 
And then God turns around and says this through the prophet Jeremiah. You will seek me and find me when you search for me with all your heart. I will be found by you, declares the Lord. I think that's how the Magi found him. A little bitty piece of information, a couple of breadcrumbs. But in their heart, they wanted to worship the one who was being revealed. Next thing you know, they're standing right in front of him. How does that happen? God revealing himself even further. All right, this passage is going to pick up that God has spoken through the prophets. Right, great little thought for you to meditate on there. I'm not going to read this quote, but it's super helpful. If you go back and visit what the prophets sounded like, how they spoke. I mean, everything from the way they dressed to dramas and plays that they put on to arguments that they made to things that they wrote down. God used the prophets to use a variety of communication tools to speak, right? I'm not going to jump on that one. Let me just go to this last one because the culmination of God speaking is in his son. If you want to most clearly understand the God who is speaking, you have to stare at his son. God is most clear in that. You remember this parable? This is Jesus explaining the father's communication to the world in Luke chapter 20, verse 9. He began to tell the people this parable. A man planted a vineyard and let it out to tenants and went into another country for a long while. Is this landowner present? He is not. When the time came, he sent this initiator, this God who comes to us. He sent a servant, a messenger, a communicator to the tenants so that they would give him some of the fruit of the vineyard. But the tenants beat him and sent him away empty handed. And he sent another servant. But they also beat And treated him shamefully. Sent him away empty handed. And he sent yet a third communicator. This one also they wounded and cast out. Then the owner of the vineyard said, what shall I do? I will send my beloved son. Perhaps they will respect him. But when the tenants saw him, they said to themselves, this is the heir. Let us kill him so that the inheritance may be ours. And they threw him out of the vineyard and killed him. What then shall the owner of the vineyard do to them? Well, he will come and destroy those tenants and give the vineyard to others. This is God explaining our story. He, the creator, created a vineyard and put us in it to tend it to bring forth fruitfulness. That's our assignment in his creation. And he's going away but he's coming back. And he came back in the form of the prophets said, Hey, where's my fruit? And he sent one after another, after another. And you know, the story of the old Testament, they killed one prophet after another, after another. And finally, God sends the ultimate clear communication. He sends his own son. Would you say this is a people eager to listen or do they seem to have their own agenda? They want the vineyard for themselves. They don't want to give its fruit back to God for his glory. They want creation for themselves. And they kill one messenger after another, 
right down to the sun. Is this a communication breakdown on God's part? Did God not do a good job communicating to those in the vineyard? That's not the point of this story. The communication from the landowner seems abundantly clear. Ken Hughes points out something that C.S. Lewis said. He created this illustration. C.S. Lewis is the unbeliever in this quote. An unbeliever was once musing about what he considered to be the impossibility of knowing God. His thinking was that as creator, God created us in the same way as a dramatist creates his characters. And that the gap was so vast between God and man that men could no more know God than Hamlet could know his author creator, Shakespeare. But as the man thought further, he realized that his analogy suggested just the opposite. For Shakespeare, as creator, could make it possible. Extending the analogy, Shakespeare could, in principle, write himself into the play and dialogue with Hamlet. The Shakespeare would, of course, be both Shakespeare and one of Shakespeare's creatures. It is an imperfect analogy, but God the Father did write himself into life in his Son, making the ultimate communication. God became one of us. He became a character in his own play and spoke to us through that character. And God is now acting like what he has to say about that character is the key to you and I running your race. All right, now I totally get this. When I crawl in my prayer closet, when I speak to God and I hope God's going to speak back to me, I've got a list of things I want to talk about. Do you? I've got certain people, certain situations, certain needs, and they're going to come up over and over and over again. And I pull God into my conversation over and over and over again. And I want God to reveal himself to me, but I want him to talk to me about these things in this way, in this timing. And this is what studying the Bible expositorily helps us to do. It just, what does God want to talk about? Right, if you could speak to God, what would you ask him? The Baptist College Ministry did a survey a few years ago, and they sent out 2,000, they got 2,000 responses back from college students. This is the kind of questions they like to ask. Hey, why is there so much suffering in the world? Why did my brother have to die? Why did my dad walk out and leave us with nothing? What really happens when you die? Am I going to heaven? Was all my heartbreak as a child for a purpose? These are real questions. What will make us happy? Why am I here? Why is sleeping with my girlfriend considered wrong? Why is there child abuse? And we might feel like those are some really, really, really important questions. But you know, when the audience of the Hebrews gets engaged by the Spirit of God in Hebrews chapter 1, that's not where God starts his conversation with them. You guys are in this terrible moment. You're full of distress and fear and you don't know what to make of life and you're you're mad and you're tempted to walk away. Here, listen to me. Long ago, and in many ways, God spoke. And today, he's speaking to you through his son. Right. So I, I might need to put down my list of questions, might I? It's not wrong to have questions in life. God welcomes that. But I might need to put them down and say, hey, God, What do you want to talk about? 
What do you want to tell me about that's going to help me figure out how to even have a good question? If, if I got no concept of what God has spoken most clearly about, no concept, can, can you agree with me? I don't even know what questions to ask him. Because he's already said, this is critical information. I revealed it in bits and pieces and bits and pieces and bits and pieces. And I had people speak and I sent them as messengers and they said a few things to you. But then I most clearly wrapped it all up in my son. Do you, do you know anything about him? So how many of us are turning Christianity into some sort of magic genie thing that we do? We get around God and we can stroke him and say a few things and we've learned some faith principles and how to command and do and say and we're going to get God on board with what I've always wanted to be. I wanted to be a fireman when I was a kid. I went, oh, God, maybe a fireman. You understand, you can pray to be a fireman and you've never even heard of Jesus. You don't know anything about him. Long ago, and in many ways, God talked about firemen. No. <laughs> he spoke to us most clearly about his son. Could that be the most important conversation you need to have with Jesus right now? In your moment of need and question and uncertainty, could that be the most important thing for you to talk about with God? I'd have to say yes. God has spoken to us in his son would you like to hear more? Well, that's what I'm going to pray for us about this morning. Because somehow in God's mystery, the heart that wants to hear more can show up in a manger and know to worship the being right there. Although they had very little, they had a whole lot less than you and I have to read about all the other things God spoke about. But God can lead you if you let him talk to you about what's most important. Let's stand up together and let's pray. Tim Keller, late Tim Keller, dear author and pastor, he said this line, he says, Christianity opens not with here's how you have to live, but rather, here's what Jesus did for you in history. This, this is not Aesop's fables, right? It's not a, hey, you want to have a happier, better life? There's all kinds of little proverbial sayings in here that if you'll just follow these. No, no, no. This book is about, here's what Jesus Christ did for you in history. And if he did that because he needed to do that and because you needed him to do that, how important is it that I discover that and not just seek to discover how can I pull power from some God I don't know much about into my fireman little world and get him to do what I want him to do next? Uh, long ago, and in many ways, God spoke. He spoke most clearly in his son. Let's pray together. Father, this room is full of people doing life. Life that's got laughter in it and life that's got tears. 
life that, that's got a story to chase after and dreams to have and a life to build and moments where life crashes and disappointment comes and we, we lose people, we lose health, we face tragedies, finances don't go the way they, we thought that they would. Lord, in all those moments, the moments of our life are creating a script and we come to you with that script. And we ask you to give us answers for those things. But Lord, what if we came to you, we set our agendas down, and we just said, Lord, what would you like to talk about? What would, what would you like to speak to me about? You would sound like, let us run with endurance the race set before us, looking to Jesus. I would like to talk to you about Jesus. I would like for you to consider him. And God, I pray for every person here, maybe everybody who's watching as well. Lord, we keep trying to pull you into our conversation, but you're trying to pull us into yours. This morning, Lord, would you not let any of us escape? Would, would you give us a heart that wants to consider him? If you're here this morning, no matter what moment of need you're in, no matter what confusion you were in, no matter what struggle you are having, would you let God change the subject? Would you let the days ahead for you begin to be, Lord, tell me about Jesus. Talk to me about who he is and what he has done for me. And what difference it makes in my life. Lord, tell me about those things first. I just, just want to put down some of my noise, some of my struggles, some of my tears. Lord, would you just speak to me about your son who you sent? Why did you do that? What were you after? Why did it have to be him? What did he do for me? How can I receive that? Lord, these are my questions about Jesus. God, would you let that be in every heart here? Lord, I know there are some folks here that they are in a desperate place and they're searching for answers. And Lord, maybe what they thought that that answer was going to sound like you talking about some different healing or medicine that would come to their bodies or maybe a financial turnaround that would come from a new job or maybe a broken relationship would get restored because that person would come back and speak to me further. Lord, maybe that's the answer that we were looking for. But Lord, what our lives need to run the race before us is to know your son. So God, would you help every person in this room? Lord, I pray for the coming days that Lord, we would ask you, Lord, what do you want to talk about today? We'd let you talk to us about Jesus in all the ways that you speak because by the way, the next verse is going to tell us the cosmos that blows our mind, he created it all and you thought we should know that. So, Father, lead us into this wonderful book of Hebrews. We struggle like they struggle. Help us to see your son. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. I bless you guys. And those of you guys watching at home, hey, don't forget, guys, there's, there's some folks up here that would love to pray with you. If you've got a need going on in your life. You just need somebody to come alongside of it and pray with you. Come on up here, find these guys and, and pray with them. And we'll, we'll see you next week.